going on everyone Ivan Temelkov here on the Roz project and we are back with Mr. Miguel Garcia who I had on part one of the podcast and 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 if you don't know anything about Miguel Miguel is a family man 15 kids seven businesses he's the epitome of a fucking rock star and we had such an amazing conversation on part one of the podcast that I wanted to have him back on the podcast to chat a little bit more in depth about some things that a lot of entrepreneurs, a lot of business owners, you know, don't put an emphasis upon. So Miguel, welcome back. Glad to have you, man. Man, I love to, I love it. I mean, I'm glad to be back. Um, it's been a pleasure, you know, getting to know you and doing the podcast with you because I know that you're reaching a lot of people. And it's all about helping them, you know, send, sending a positive message and um, encouraging message as well. So it's good, man. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, we, we talked a lot about family and business in part one. You know, there were some things there and there were some nuggets that you shared, a lot of learning experiences that you, you kind of went through and a lot of learning experiences you're going through. And I, in this episode, I really wanted to dive in a little bit deeper about some things that I think a lot of entrepreneurs don't spend enough time thinking, or maybe they don't prioritize, right? And one of the first things is, so, you know, you, you've, you've done a lot of things, you know, you've been blessed with a lot of kids, you, you, you've had successful businesses, you know, you've been married for over 30 years, Dude, you, you've done a lot of amazing shit that most people don't do in a lifetime, right? And, but the one thing is that I think entrepreneurs specifically, you know, don't really put a strong emphasis upon or they don't consider is money versus passion, right? Money or passion first. So let's talk a little bit about that from your perspective, money or passion first. Why or why not? Well, so for me in the beginning, it was about money because I was raising such a big family and I needed to have a pretty large income. Mm -hmm. So, uh, but as I got to know my customer, which were the soldiers, my passion to help them just grew. And I mean, I, I still miss my, my, my old business because of the relationships with people. But um, this new business that we're launching, the Natural Choice Company, it's all about passion. It's the passion to help people stay healthy um, and educate people about all you know the chemicals that are in in the um, uh, personal care products mm -hmm. that are really harming, you know, causing cancers and all sorts of things. So this business is pure passion. It's it's not about the money. It's about helping. As I mentioned before, I lost the son to cancer, and then we went all natural after that because I started diving deep into what's causing cancer and other sickness and has a lot to do with all the chemicals and that, that we put in our, in our body. So for me in the beginning, it was uh, at the need to, you know, bring money to raise my family. But, uh, when all, when, when that's not the issue, it's, it's pure passion. Yeah. So that's why I chose, I went from bullets and guns and tactical gear to natural products. Mm -hmm. So it's a little, a little different, a little different uh, model, but uh, it's all passion, man. I want to really want to help people. You know, <clears throat> the reason I asked you this question is because I think with entrepreneurs specifically, 
a lot of times it is about money. You know, they think that, okay, I'm going to start a business, right? And this business is going to grow. I'm going to make more money. I'm going to be able to leave my full-time job, right? All of this. But the passion, and from what I heard you say, is maybe it varies, you know, for individuals. You know, there's a lot of people who chase money in entrepreneurship. Most people chase money, you know, and there's a lot of people also who chase passion. So what I'm hearing you say is over the years, you've kind of evolved, right? You've gone from, okay, I made money, right, to now can I do something that I'm more passionate about that has a real purpose, to help solve a problem. Like you said, with your current business endeavor, that you're focusing on the passion and, you know, building or, or having a product that solves a real problem in society, right? Right. So that is, you know, that's really, really important because I think, you know, a lot of entrepreneurs, you know, chase the money, you know, they don't necessarily go after the passion. Maybe at some point that kind of changes, but for you, it was, okay, I made some money, and then you switched to passion. At what point did that change for you? Was it with this last company that you started? No, no, no. Um, the, the company that I sold. So, uh, you know, we started that company in, like, 2000. And around 2003, I was able to, like, have a, a decent income. And then I started developing relationships. And then it really happened when we opened our first retail store. Uh, in Fort Riley, next to Fort Riley. And I started to get to know my customers, the soldiers, you know, they were getting deployed and they would come and tell me their stories and what they were leaving behind. And, and we started connecting really deep. And uh, um, I wanted to help them. I wanted to um, make sure that, that they, when they went to war, they had the best gear possible because it would give them an edge. And so that mm -hmm. kind of became an obsession to procure the best equipment for them. Mm -hmm. Okay. Okay. So you've been involved in a bunch of different businesses, right? I think this is your seventh one technically that you're in right now. Yeah. So you've been involved in, in a bunch of different shit. So let's talk a little bit about what advice would you give to entrepreneurs about scaling their business? Um, so I would ask the question, why do you want to scale? So because for me, um, when I started the retail business in 2006, when we opened our first retail store, I had two competitors and I just wanted to kick their ass. And I started opening stores left and right. And my, um, my, my CFO would go, Miguel, we're going too fast. We're growing too fast. Uh, we're running out of cash. And I'm like, I don't give a shit. I'm going to kick their ass, you know, and I'm going to kick their ass. <laughs> and I was totally focused on that. And, and when I had like my ninth store, I'm like, okay. I beat the crap out of them, but our financials were in deep trouble. And it's not like we didn't have any revenue coming in. It's just that, you know, I outspend everything. And so for me, it was pride. Uh, I, I read a book called, I think it was called um, Why Companies Fail. And mm -hmm. in, in, the, in that book, it said that um, a lot of companies go out of business because of pride. And so you have to mm -hmm. check yourself. So why are you scaling? And so if you're scaling because... Um, pride, you're going to get screwed. Um, if it is because you see the opportunity, then I would have to check um, and see if all my systems are in place and how am I going to finance my, my growth? Because 
I wasn't thinking on those things. I was a sales and marketing and I didn't care what my CFO yeah. would say because the money was his problem and, and that was wrong. But um, if, if you're going to scale the business, you need to have all your systems in place. Also, don't over leverage your company because then the bank owns you. And it's a pretty sad uh, um, day when, when, when the bank comes in and, and calls a note on you, which they did to us. Yeah. They came in and, and called the note. And so I was like a kick in the groin, man. It, it was horrible. So, yeah. so I learned my lesson. And from then on, we go, okay, we're going to grow two stores a year. And, and then we started categorizing. Like we had eight type stores with the revenue was over a million dollars. Mm-hmm. And, and you know b stores and c stores and so we would open two a stores and maybe a c store and that kind of stuff so so we we grew more organically versus uh you know just like what i was doing sure sure so, so i think based on what you said if i'm understanding this correctly is this you know the advice that that you shared is is this scale based on demand don't scale based on ego or pride right, right. Yeah. And that's a really, really good point because I think when it comes to scaling a business, I think it's exactly just that. It's ego and pride for most people because they want to, they want to grow their exposure, right? They, they don't want to get in, in different markets, right? And, and those are viable points, but wouldn't you rather grow based on demand because then you have the revenue to, to support that? Yeah. Definitely. I mean, that's, that's, that's what you need. And also, I mean, having the, it's the systems mm-hmm. to grow the business. Like for instance, on my, on my, uh, the company that acquired my company, uh, I run, I run, um, the comp- my company for about another year and a half and they wanted to grow from a half a billion to a billion dollars. And they had the shittiest, shittiest platform. <laughs> they, could, they, they, they could not give me a P&L in which I could dive into and really look at uh, this, you know, how my company was doing. And right. they would give me a, spread, a spreadsheet. And this is a half a billion dollar a year company. They were doing P&Ls on spreadsheets. And I told the guy, I said, wow. dude, you're not going to grow this to a billion dollars in five years. Yeah. If you don't, if you, don't uh, you know, get, have your systems um, up to date and, and – and sure. the system has to be scalable as well. So you got to have the systems and, and the finances to do it. Yeah, those are really good points. And, you know, honestly, when you were talking about your systems, um, kind of reminds me of a, of a friend of mine that's, um, that's an MBA and it's like really into the financial side and the operational side of business. And when you were talking about that is, this, you know, the scaling your business is that I guess when you get to a point to a certain level of running a business that, you know, you really have to start taking a strong consideration into your checks and balances and looking at your financials and looking at your profit margins. And like you said, your P&L, right? Because you got to make sure you got profitability. You got to make sure that you can reinvest some money, you know, if you're going to take it to the next level. And I feel like based on what you just said is, you know, half a billion, right? <laughs> in, in annual gross revenue and you still don't have your shit together. And it's kind of like, there's something fucking broken here, you know? And so, um, they were cool. growing too fast. Mm-hmm. They were growing too fast. They, they were making acquisitions left and right, and they were not. Their system was not scalable. It's not yeah. scalable. So that, that's the problem. So th- this is real stuff, you know. That yeah, that, um, absolutely. People need to focus on that. The systems are really important. 
Yeah, that's a really, really good point on that. So your systems, your checks and balances. Let's let's talk a little bit about storytelling. You know, so we're we live in a I mean, you you've been doing business for what, 20, 30 years now, probably. Yeah. You've seen a lot of shit. You've seen shit before even social media existed. So, you know, these days storytelling is you know, everybody's doing storytelling from personal brands to businesses. You know, what what are your thoughts on storytelling as part of modern business? I think that, well, it's crucial for one, um, because you, you use your story to create emotional connections mm-hmm. and, and it humanizes the, the, the business. You know, online transactions are pretty cold and, you know, machine driven. And mm-hmm. you're, you're connecting with your customers and more than customers, you're trying to build a tribe right. with your story. People will connect. I mean, your story that is the narrative that that weaves together the facts and emotions that your brand evokes. Right. And so it is crucial. There's, there's, there's like, I remember Ed and Andy telling us about, um, you have to humanize the brands. Now Coca-Cola has to have a face, you know, right. uh, uh right. The insurance company would flow. I mean, they have to humanize this and they do that. That's part of this, the, the story brand in the storytelling, yeah. you know, so it's, it's huge. If you're not doing it, then um, you're not connecting with your customers. And yeah. yeah. And so it, it's not enough to have a quality product or service. You know, you need to know how to talk to your customers in different ways so, so that they could differentiate you from, from the other folks, right? If you could connect right. people, I mean, we buy from people that we know and we trust, right? It's right. part of the storytelling. You got, you got to be able to, connect with people so it's huge i'm i'm glad that you solidified this because there's still a huge misconception of storytelling in the marketplace in the modern marketplace in 2019 because there's a lot of brands that don't understand how you know if i'm telling a story how is that going to resonate with my customers how are they going to buy my product or my service it's actually basic logic right like you said People buy from people they like and trust. If they don't like you, they're not going to buy from you. If they don't trust you, they're not going to buy from you. And what better way to establish likability and trust and value is by face-to-face interacting with them. And that's where social has been so, so key because you're telling a story, you're creating an emotional connection, and that emotional connection is going to entice them to buy your product or service. Like with your company right now, right? Is this, you're telling stories that's going to relate to people. Like you said, you know, you, you lost a child to cancer. There's a shit ton of people probably out there and telling that story that people are going to gravitate towards that. And they're going to buy your product because your product's better, right? That it doesn't have the chemicals in it. So that I'm, I'm using that as an example because honestly, there's a lot of companies and I see this every day, not just on Facebook, but on LinkedIn and even on Instagram that they just don't fucking get it. They don't, they don't see how, well, if you're on stories and you're telling a story, how, how is that going to help people buy from you, right? But it's going to help because it creates that emotional connection. It's about character. It's about personality. It's about authenticity, right? And if you can establish that as a brand, not just as an individual, as a company, like you said, Coca-Cola, humanizing your, your entire company, that's going to give you greater chances of connecting with the customer. Um, yeah, I mean, 
staying with Coca-Cola, um, I heard a commercial the other day and, you know, they're talking about how, you know, the holidays and all this stuff and then, you know, making better with a Coca-Cola. And I'm going, that shit is evil. <laughs> Coca-Cola <laughs> has all this crap. I mean, part of the obesity problem that we have is because of that. And yeah. these fucking people, they don't get it. Instead of, instead of trying to connect with people, they're lying. Oh, you're just going to yeah. feel better. It's like, you know, why don't you tell us what's in there? And, you know, that kind of stuff. So the, the, those brands, I think, I mean, they're, they're huge or whatever, but I hope they fucking <laughs> die because they're really hurting yeah. a lot of people. You know, in Mexico uh, uh, has, has one of the most obese uh, uh, people in, in Latin America. And you should not be that wow. way. But yeah. everybody's drinking pop. Everybody's, you know, soda, Coca-Cola. And, and, and uh, anyway, it's just like, how do you humanize that? You know, I'm, that's my question yeah. to Coca-Cola. Because well, I if, think if they try to humanize it, mm -hmm. they can't sell the product, man. People will walk away, I think. I well, know. you bring up a really good good point, you know, using Coca-Cola. Because here's an example. When I was a kid, I mean, Nobody knew that that shit was bad for your teeth, yeah. right? I mean, all, all the freaking sweet shit that they put in. I don't even know what the hell goes into a pop. And it's actually, believe it or not, pop ha has been made addictive because mm -hmm. of the syrup in it, honestly. And now I've, I've had my, my fair share of challenges from health and wellness and, you know, the gym, no gym, the gym, no gym, eating right, eating like shit again, and drinking soda, a shit ton of soda. And I've come to a realization that, you know what? It's an addiction. It's almost like a fucking drug addiction because they've made it that way to where it creates that thirst, right? When you're drinking Coke, well, it's the carbonation, it's the syrup that, that, that's in it, right? It's just the right blend, right? So, to Coca-Cola's point is how do you entice and humanize that is as well, you improve your product for one. And then you try to connect with people on an emotional level and say, you know what? It's got less calories in it, right? Or it's got less carbonation in it or less syrup in it because we do live in a day and age. And actually the fact that you said that Mexico, I mean, the United States, over 60% of people in the United States are obese. And I know this because I'm an Eastern European and I used to fucking walk everywhere until I moved to the U.S. And then I was like, you know what? Fast food is fucking around the corner. So guess what? I'm going to go to fucking McDonald's and get me a burger. Uh-uh. That's exactly what they want you to do. And the same thing like pop, the same thing like Coke. You know, it's, they've made it so accessible, so cheap that it's almost irresistible. And there's, there's an entire logic behind it, and I agree with you. And, you know, brands like Coca-Cola, I think, will suffer, but they have, you know, created such equity in the marketplace that, you know, they can, they can sustain minor fallouts, right? They can sustain seasonal drops in sales, right? Yeah. So, but that was a really good point that you made because I could literally talk about this, you know, on and on because... It is about humanizing, and this is exactly what I've focused on coming up on four years now with my brain is literally just that, to humanize. And honestly, what's really interesting about that is, is you know, when you're a disruptor and innovator and you're doing things completely different, people are like, eh, whatever, man, until it, like, gains momentum, right, and it gains market perception. And now, oh, shit, everybody's going to humanize their brand, right, because suddenly they understand that that is the necessity. That is what... Because let's face it, the consumer is the decision maker nowadays. 
not the brand, not the company. It's, it's people like you and me. We decide. And brand, a lot of brands, like I think Coca-Cola, for instance, they, they don't quite grasp that. They don't quite see how that, you know, could potentially create a demise over long term if they don't start taking action. I think through their marketing and advertising, they're trying to sway people a little bit more. Let's face it, people can be swayed, right? Yeah, you yeah. give them the right message, you know, you put it in the right perspective, you'll sway them to where they'll keep drinking Coca-Cola, right? Yeah. So that was a really good, you know, that was a really good topic. I want to shift more kind of along the lines of, you know, we're talking about storytelling and modern business, right? Let's talk a little bit about personal branding and, you know, what are your thoughts on personal branding in modern business? You know, where do you see value in it? Do you think companies need to do that? What's your thoughts on that? Well, again, you know, from the art to syndicate, um, I, I wasn't present in social media a couple of years ago. Mm -hmm. I, I was in Facebook, but it's just all gossiping and crap like that. And I just didn't like it. But Andy sure. and Ed told us that we had to, start thinking about personal branding and it's because how you let's say you present to the world so um i started sharing a little more and getting more in i didn't have an instagram account and so i got an instagram account and i think that um it is very important because people will start connecting with you and that could that will translate into your brand so you are the person behind the brand and right so and I've gotten a lot of great feedback on, on the new company that I'm, I'm launching, Natural Choice Company. People are going, Miguel, whenever you come up with a product, I'm sold, man. I'm sold. And they're sold because of my, my personal brand, I guess. My, they they right. believe in me. I sold myself to them. The, the, they know I'm a genuine person, that I'm not trying to rip them off or anything like that. Um, and, you know, when I come out with, with, with the uh, products, which I keep saying it's a couple of weeks and then I get another monkey wrench in there. Um, I'm, I'm pretty sure people are going to support it. And that's because of right. my personal branding. So yeah, it's, it's imperative that the, the, the people think of their brand or their personal brand. Um, I was reading somewhere that recruiters are looking at your social media now, you know, right. they apply for a job and they're going to go, okay, who is this guy? You know, and then they go and now they see the real you. So you need to be kind of careful too, you know, how, how you present yourself. And there's yep. a lot of folks that are pretty radical or whatever, but um, that's just not the way to do it. Um, but definitely you have to build your, your, your um, personal brand. I mean, again, it's yep. how you present yourself to the world. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm glad, I'm glad that, that you mentioned that because um, I think to John Legere, the, the current CEO of T-Mobile and you know, he is, he is, you know, he's a prime example of a personal brand, right? And the reason why so many people like T-Mobile, not necessarily from a customer service and just overall service as a communication provider, <clears throat> but they like it because uh, John Legere is very charismatic. You know, he's very transparent. I mean, this is a CEO of a major communication provider that you fucking see on, on Twitter going live when he's going for a run in Forest Park or uh, I'm sorry, in Central Park. Um, and, and like, there's no, like in that space, there's no other CEO that would do that. Right. So that's part of the personal brand where they're putting a face to a title and they feel people feel like they can connect with them on a personal level. And again, if they can connect with you on a personal level, they're going to want to do business with you 
ultimately become T-Mobile customers, right? Because they know that they can reach out to John Legier on freaking Twitter and he'll respond back. Or they can interact with him while he's on the run or on the walk or he's sitting at the coffee shop and he's like, oh, I decided to go live. But that's just it. It's just that, that personal branding is putting a face behind the brand. And that's why it's so important. Yeah, I think the, the, the uh, personal branding as well as your, your, your company's brand, it, you need to humanize both because, again, you know, now with technology, everything's getting dehumanized. You know? And so right. you got to put the personal touch in there. And I think that's why it's crucial. You, you have to have them both. You know? Yeah, yeah. You know, so we, we went through several questions. And what's, was, what was really interesting in the things that we talked about is this senior level of adaptability over the years, right? Because you were doing business way before social, and then you've been able to adapt and maintain a sense of relevance to the marketplace by infusing yourself. Like you said, you weren't on social media until a couple of years ago, right? And in fact, I think, you know, talking about Andy Frazella and Ed Milet is this that Ed was one of those people that wasn't on social media until several years ago, you know? But what was really interesting about that too is this that, uh, so seeing you kind of evolve and pivot. So just in closing is I'm hearing you say the relevance and pivoting in business is crucial to your survival, right? Definitely. It is. It is. Um, you have to know how to adapt to the times. You have to know that, you know, you got to be on social. You have to know how to humanize your brand, how to connect with people because they are the decision makers. You're not the decision maker. They get the final say. And if they feel like they're, they don't have that personal connection with you, they're not going to want to engage with you. They're not going to want to buy your product. They're not going to want to buy your service, let alone give you money, right? Yeah. Definitely. And so these were all excellent points because – I think someone, coming from someone like you who you've been in business for a long time, you've, you've, you've tried and failed, you've pivoted, you've, you, you've, you've, you've changed your relevance approach, you know, you've changed your business practices significantly, kind of solidifies that, you know, you, you have to be very fast-paced and constantly on your toes and know what's the next big thing that's coming down the pike and, you know, how do I adapt to that, right? So I don't become irrelevant, right? So, um, you know, I want to really thank you for the great conversation. You know, this, these were all great insights, you know, uh, that you shared. And I most definitely appreciate your time. But before closing, you know, how can people connect with you? What's the best way to connect with you out there? Uh, through Instagram, my uh, handle is my initials, M-A-G, and then the word Patriot. So no hyphens, no underscores, Mag Patriot in Instagram. That's the Very cool. Way. Yeah, man. Thanks. Thanks for having me again. It's always a pleasure. Uh, and you really know how to rattle my brain, man. Because <laughs> I, I don't know what I know. And then you're asking me this question. I'm going, wait a minute. Hold on. How do I answer this one? How did I do this? And yeah. uh, um, it, it's, yeah. it's fun. It's just fun, though. I appreciate, appreciate it, Miguel. Thank you so much.